Well, hello, and welcome to another episode of Endeavors. On today's show, tenor Nicholas Scott and Canadian football legend Michael Pinball Clemens. That's coming up on Endeavors. Years ago, not too long after I started the show on CJSF 90.1 FM at Simon Fraser University in Vancouver, the station manager asked me if I was interested in uh, interviewing Damon Allen, uh, the great uh, football player for the BC Lions as well as later the Toronto Argonauts. Of course, he also played for Edmonton, Hamilton, and Ottawa, but those were his main teams. I wasn't really doing sports. I had never considered myself a, a sports show. I'd always wanted to focus on the arts, although I guess, you know, I've expanded into uh, a little bit of everything now. Uh, I was still uh, a newbie at that time, and so I think I was sort of focused on um, on building, you know, sort of building what my show was. So, you know, No Harm, No Foul Station uh, passed it off to a, a another host and producer. And, I mean, since then, I, in spite of my love of baseball... Um, I haven't done a ton of sports. I've interviewed uh, directors and, of, or actors in in sports movies. Um, I've interviewed you know somebody like Rick Ankiel about his memoir. I've interviewed Theron Fleury about something memoir related. I've done sports. You know, uh, sports figures as it relates to you know books or or movies or whatever. But you know, I'm not I'm not the Rich Eisen show. Um, I'm not the Dan Patrick show. I don't really cover sports. You know, at a, at an everyday level. And yet, on today's show, I found myself talking with perhaps the greatest Canadian football player ever and one of the most popular athletes ever to play in Toronto in Michael Clemens, the man known as Pinball. But I wasn't talking with him about his football career, although it was mentioned briefly. Rather, it was more about his foundation and this show that he puts on every year called Christmas with the Clemens, uh, this year happening on December the 6th. I suppose everyone who comes on the show is is here to promote something, uh, so it shouldn't be as a surprise if you know Michael Clemens is coming on to promote something very specific for one day in a specific city. Um, but I don't know if me ten twelve years ago um, would have been able to say yes, but of course when I when I got the email I enthusiastically jumped um at the chance to interview Pinball. Because even though I'm not a football fan, I don't think I've ever seen a football game in my life, growing up in Canada in the nineties and two thousands, you were aware of who Pinball Clement was. 
I had mentioned his show, uh, Christmas with the Clemens. And today's show is a little bit interesting because we, we've got Michael talking about that, which you'll hear hmm, 35 minutes or so. But in Van on the other side of the country, uh, in Vancouver, there is another show happening on uh, December the 8th. Um, and it's uh, Early Music Vancouver uh, with the uh, Vancouver Baroque Orchestra in a performance of Handel's Messiah, which of course features perhaps the most famous piece of music ever written, Hallelujah. And the show features four soloists. And one of the soloists is the tenor Nicholas Scott. And I was fortunate to be able to talk with Nicholas, uh, who's British, by the way. So it was interesting to talk about how a British tenor who lives and works in France uh, caught on with uh, a well-known group in Vancouver for a one-night-only show. And of course, we, you know, we also talk about Handel, the Messiah, Hallelujah, music education, the appreciation of the arts, classical music in general, opera. Nicholas had a lot to say um, about a lot of things. And so I've got two different events to, you know, that we're, that we're talking about. So I thought, let's move from west to east. So we'll start with the event uh, in, in Vancouver. Then we'll go over to Toronto and talk about Michael's events. And it's all done by uh, a guy currently uh, in the northeast of Britain. So geography all around this holiday season. Um, Nicholas has been performing for, I guess, professionally for about 13 years now, he said, but I will let him tell his story, not me. This is me and Nicholas Scott. Let's talk about some handle. Uh, cool. Yeah, I'm here with uh, Nicholas Scott. How are you today? What's going on? Great, thanks. Uh, I'm actually um, I'm a bit ill with COVID actually at the moment. Um, so excuse if uh, my, uh, my my brain's a bit slow. <laughs> well, I mean, let let's hope you get better before the show. You got a you got a big show in Canada in a couple of weeks, don't you? <laughs> Absolutely, looking forward to it. Yeah, Masai yeah. with the uh, early music Vancouver and Pacific Baroque Orchestra. Really looking forward to it. So, how how does that work? You, you know, it's it's a company based out of Canada, and here you are based in Britain. Do you did you fly over every once in a while to rehearse? It was everything done virtually. Um. So so um. First of all, I I actually live in France now. I've lived in France for about um six years. Um. Of course, initially I'm from from Britain, but um. Yeah, I, I lived in in France now for the last six years. Um, I, it's uh, it, it's very very it's uh, how classical music works is is generally um, it's kind of uh, done. You know, you find your work via word of mouth, um, and also with your your agent sort of helps. Um, like like most other um, sort of uh, musician jobs and perhaps acting jobs as well. Um, I've worked in Canada um, quite often over the last few years, um, especially in a uh, uh, Montreal. Um, with uh, Arion Baroque, and I've worked at the Festival Land of the Air a few times um, with various groups, um, and um, I was absolutely delighted to see uh, um, to, to get a, a job offer from uh, Susie LeBlanc, um, who's now the artistic director at uh, Vancouver um, Early Music, um, and uh, yeah, it was absolutely fantastic to, uh, to, to 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 be coming over in a, in a few days actually. Um, what? What do you like about classical music in in terms of, you know, that sort of genre of of storytelling and and the performance aspect of it? Um, 
it's 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 rather it's 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 a bit sort of bizarre. Neither of my my parents were trained classically, and neither of them really had an, a, a love of classical music. And um, but it's something that I found uh, myself listening to um, as as I sort of grew up. Um, it's it I don't know. It's it's kind of I mean, it's kind of like a like you've got a sort of like a window into a, into a soul. You know, um, people would say that about whatever music they do. Um, whether it's you know the Beatles singing songs or or any other any other genre of music, um, it, it's it's the art itself that you know you can you can show yourself you can you can show the world your soul um, and your your emotion emotional ability um, and I think that's 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 sort of how it how it manifests you know this artistic side of me manifests itself through classical music. You know I. It's interesting, you know, there there have been a lot of studies on sort of the, the effects on classical music on the brain. And yet at the same time, it has a reputation of maybe being a bit posh or, you know, maybe for a certain type of of, of crowd. Um as as a performer, what do you think are some misconceptions society has about this form and how do you get maybe younger generations to to enjoy it more um i mean one of the biggest misconceptions is that it's for for rich people i mean it it's more expensive to go see um a musical theater um a musical theater on broadway or quite often go to a, a rock concert or a pop concert um, you can pick up tickets in most opera houses for less than twenty pounds, which, I, or twenty euros, or twenty bucks, which is which is much less than than you would find anywhere else. I think the 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 inaccessibility of it is to do with um, the sort of reduction of, of teaching music at sort of early ages in schools. I think there's a, a direct correlation between that. You know. Um, I mean, we're seeing more and more, I think, especially as, as sort of, I mean, you know, I'm a millennial, you know, um, I'm seeing less of the sort of like artistic um, um, influences shown in, 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 in younger generations. And I think that's that's due to arts and humanities being cut at a, at a high school level. Um, I think that the disconnection between sort of young people and and, uh, and, and music and, and from certain backgrounds is, is due to it you know, it not being showed at an early age. Um, but at the same time, I mean, the the show that you're that you're doing, um, you're performing Messiah by Handel, which I think is not even the most famous classical song of all time, might be the most famous piece of music ever written. And I think even if you're not a classical music fan, you've at least heard of Handel's Messiah. Um what what do you absolutely, like about absolutely about, I mean there's I mean Famous, the most famous. Part. Uh, no, sorry. Um, I was just saying. What we continue your thought. What do you, What do you like about this piece, and and why do you think it's so timeless? I mean, first of all, it's got some banging tunes. I mean, I've always said. I've always said. Uh, you know, I always say about classical music. You know, it's it's always the the ones with the with the tunes that you could go out whistling. The tunes that. You, you find a, a sort of like connection with the, uh, the, the piece of music that will always last with you. You know, I mean, you've got the Alleluia Chorus, which is perhaps the most famous Alleluia Chorus. You know, it's used everywhere. It's iconic. It's used in adverts. It's used in films. It's used everywhere. Um, I think for a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of tradition in this. I mean, it's it's always been done at Christmas time, generally in, in the Western Hemisphere. It's It's kind of for a lot of people... You know, especially in Britain, you know, um, every little choir, every little um, choral society, every orchestra it will do Messiah every year. Um, and I think it's, you know, it's it's become much a tradition to a lot of people um, as having turkey at Thanksgiving, or, um, for example, or in, in the UK having fireworks on bonfire. Night. How important is tradition for for you as a performer i mean you know we're, we're you are right we're seeing a lot less sort of musical education and every everyone talks about oh well you know some things need to change in order for society to move forward but also how important is 
tradition for some things? I think I think tradition. I mean, it's it's wrapped up in. I think tradition comes a lot with culture as well. I think for a lot of people, having a sense of tradition can also have a link to how strong you feel about the culture of, of where you're from, of, of your upbringing. Um, quite often, you know, um, I think tradition is seen in a, in, a, in a bad light. Of course, there are certain traditions that, you know, of course, uh, are outdated. Um, and I think it's very important to 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 bring in new traditions to 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 a culture or, a, or an area of the world that that hasn't necessarily seen that kind of um, this kind of uh, ability to to link the two. You know, I mean, it's traditional to to do. It's, there's a strong link with classical music and, uh, for example, religion, Christianity, and then Messiah at Christmas. You know a John Passion or a Bark John Passion at Easter time, you know. Um it's 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 very strange in living living in France, um, with it being quite a secular well would would it be in a secular country? Um you see less of this kind of correlation between singing certain um pieces of music at certain times of the year. Um they do do it but it's it's not so obvious as in it is in, in um, the Netherlands or Germany. Spain or, or or the UK. I was I was going to ask about that because so much of classical music and its history is tied to the church, you know, in the same way sort of gospel music is. And yet it's becoming more and more performed for secular audiences. Um what do you attribute that crossover uh, appeal to and 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 where do you think we are in terms of being able to look at it less as religious music and more just music very good question um and i'll try try and answer it um uh, for me personally i i think i think this this um i, I don't think it needs to be done a religious setting i mean most concerts that I do now, especially when it comes to works of Messiah and, and the Bach on Passion, they're, they're not done um, as a uh, in a religious setting. You know, um, like Bach, for example, Bach's Passion was done in a religious setting in in in, in Leipzig in his church. Um, the Messiah was performed in in Dublin in, in 1742. You know, it wasn't done as a religious setting. Uh, we did, of course, it's uh, talking about. Um, uh, uh, you know, it's talking about the Messiah. It talks about Isaiah's prophecy and, and things like this. However, um, it's it's interesting. There was a, a very famous uh, musicologist at the time of uh, uh, during Handel's time called uh, Watkins Shaw, and he stated um, he said um, when he first heard Messiah, he called it a meditation of the Passion of Jesus Christ, more of a meditation. I think that's that's what people can see it as. You know. It's a meditation. It's not necessarily a religious meditation, but a meditation in itself. Um, we, we had mentioned tradition earlier. And of course, I think you can always know your audience if they know the tradition of of the Messiah, which is to to, to stand up um, during a chorus. Obviously, yeah. if you're performing this song, you're, you're aware that this will happen and this is going to happen. But I'm curious how it affects you as a as a performer when all of a sudden your 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 island with the audience is different. Oh, I mean, it's, it's funny. It's funny that no one actually really knows where this tradition comes from. They 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 claim that it was King George that stood up during a performance of Messiah, and um, and that of course the tradition was in, in tradition was in the UK that when the king stood, that youth would stand up as well. So which is where it comes from. And it was probably if he did, um, there isn't really any documented evidence that he did, but if he did, it was probably because he, you know, it's Messiah's a long piece. It's probably because he had a, a you know, a, a dead bum or something, you know. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's 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 always one of those moments, you know, the Alleluia chorus, it emotes so much for so many people. It just adds to that extra sort of like special kind of feeling that 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 sort of, oh, this is an amazing piece of music. This is fantastic. Why shouldn't we stand up for it? It's a big sort of waking up moment. And it comes it, it comes in part two, which is part two of the Messiah is, 
is is all about the passion of 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 of, of Jesus, you know, the crucifixion. Um, and of course, being the passion, the crucifixion, there's a lot of like somber, a lot of like slow music. And then to suddenly have this sort of like piece of like, oh, triumphant kind of like music, of course, it's, it's a brilliant moment. Um, and of course, you are also, I mean, the, the choir that you're singing with, the Vancouver Chamber Choir, um, are also playing with the uh, Pacific Baroque Orchestra. And those two things go, go hand in hand. But um, when there's so many other people involved, whether they're singers or not, how conscious do, do you have to be of sort of, you know, everybody in the room and, and sound levels and just, just all the extra that might go into that? Okay, I mean, well, I mean, it's performing a piece of classical music. It's, it's all a, a big teamwork exercise. You know, it, you all have to fit together absolutely perfectly. Otherwise, the overall show is, is is rubbish. There is no weak weak link. You know, there is no there's no weakness to that. Um, of course, you know it's it can be very difficult in certain places. You know, to you know, you might sing, especially in a, in a huge hall one night, and then the second night it might be a tiny hall. So of course, you've got these these little kind of uh, details to to deal with. Um, but it's kind of you know. The more you perform, the, the more these these kind of things become less and less important. And you're able to, you know, as a musician, you're trained to be able to do this on the spot quite quickly. How how much time are you going to get to rehearse with everybody before the actual show goes up? Um, I think um, I, I've got to particularly, I think they rehearse. I, I actually arrive a day late. I think I, I come off the, I'm, I'm performing in Spain. Um, the night before I arrive and I walk straight off the plane into rehearsal. Then we have a second day of rehearsal and then we perform the day after. So I think I only have two days of rehearsal. Well, one and a half days of rehearsal. How do you, how do you get into that mindset knowing that you, you know, you only have this much time to, you know, to do your thing. Um, it's, it's funny. It's uh it's, it's it's it sort of becomes less and less of a problem. I mean, especially with something like the Messiah. You know, ever since I I started singing professionally, which was back in well, so over ten years now, thirteen years ago, um, when I was living in the UK, I do probably about fifteen Messiahs a year. So you know, it's a piece of music that's very very familiar. You know, um, as the way the mindset goes, um, of course you get nervous. Of course, you know, there's always the nerves. But at the end of the day, you're doing it because you love it. And if you're not loving it, then you shouldn't be doing it. Um, what What's interesting about classical music specifically is that a lot of the times you hear um, songs in other languages, you know, whether it's like Latin or, or, or German or, or, or Italian. Um, how how difficult is that for you as, as a performer to sing in, an, in another language and how difficult is it to connect with an audience who, even if they enjoy the music, might not really understand what it's about? Um, it's very, very hard singing in, in other languages, you know, um, especially when you perform in, in one of those countries which speaks the language, you know, like uh, performing in Italy, performing in French, you know, or in, in France, for example. Um, it's incredibly, incredibly difficult. And, you know, it takes a lot of time, a lot of work to to pronounce it absolutely perfectly. You know, I mean, for example, I, I, I use language coaches to to, uh, to to coach me in Italian, use language coaches to, cap, to um, coach me in, in, in French. I mean, when I do perform in a, another language, I know exactly what every single word means. You know, I, there isn't something I leave to chance. You know, I'm there to portray a story in the first place. I mean, of course, it's very difficult for people to understand. It. I mean, generally, a lot of concerts now will use um, surtitles, so um, you will have that that option, especially if you're performing in a, in a foreign country. But of course, it's not always readily available. Um, I think the, the the wonder about classical music is, you know, you can you can tell when something's been somber, you can tell when something's joyful, um, you can tell when something's very serious, and although you you don't have to it's, it's a language within itself you know you if you hear a, a, a it's, it's like I, I guess it's it's like hearing a sad clarinet solo for example if you hear a, a singer singing a sad song you don't necessarily need to understand the words to to be able to feel the emotion of the, the song that's been put into it 
Um, where these days, you know, we we hear a lot about the term crossover. You know, there's a lot of crossover artists, and we're seeing that a little bit more now with with classical music. You know, you've got people like Jackie Ivanko, um, even somebody like Luciano Pavarotti, kind of moved into the mainstream. What 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 do you attribute that to? Why do you think we're maybe classical music is is starting to, you know, creep into sort of the more everyday life? I mean, not as much as like pop music, for example. But I, I you know, I I think we're we're sort of maybe it's kind of maybe the scales are tipping a little bit, if you will. Yeah, they they certainly are. I mean, um, you know, singers like Andrea Bocelli um, have done it very well. I mean. It's, I think it's it's especially it's become more prominent with with a lot of reality TV. It's become a very prominent with voices like um, I don't know if you in Canada you have the the Voice. It's a it's, yeah. a, it's a yeah you have the Voice. You know we have Pop Idol for example. You know, um, it's 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 a different art form completely. I mean. It, it it can be sometimes frustrating. I, I have no, not a problem with crossover music whatsoever, and I must say this immediately. I think you know, any kind of um, any kind of uh, promotion of any kind of classical music in any way, I think, especially is is important nowadays, especially more than ever. Um, but it does sometimes sort of frustrate when when someone you know you you got it quite often, especially during the early days of the Voice. You get in a taxi in London. And then they'd, they'd ask you, you know, what, what, what are you? And you'd say, I'm an opera singer. And they say, oh, wow, are you like such and such? And you'd be like, oh, it's, it's, a, it's a bit different to that. You know, it's, 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 it's not kind of the same thing. Oh, do you sing Phantom of the Opera? And it's just, you know, it's sometimes a bit like, oh, not quite. And you, you want to, you, want, you don't want to be, you don't want to sound snooty because that's the other thing that classical musicians sort of come across quite well. It's like, well, no, absolutely not. I don't do this. I sing in an opera house. I don't sing with a microphone. No, you don't want to be like that. You don't want to be snooty. You want to love the fact that they love this music and they're, they're listening to stuff that isn't what they'd normally listen to. And I, I, I love that. But it's sometimes you, you have to be a bit sort of, you have to find the right level of sort of trying to explain to them, you know, this is what I do and this is the difference. Um, it, it's funny you mentioned Phantom of the Opera because that was sort of the first time that Broadway and classical were kind of, you know, had a very successful marriage. Um, I'm curious as if if Broadway or that style, um, that genre is is something in your future or or something you've done or something you might think about doing. You know. It's 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 not. I mean, it's not. However, I would. I mean, there are certain roles in Broadway that are very operatic. For example, Christine Dye in Phantom of the Opera is incredibly demanding soprano role. Um, uh, I think if there was one musical I'd love to do, I'd love to. Uh, I'd love to do Les Misérables. You know, I'd love to be. Uh, you know. Um, oh my gosh, my, my mind has gone. Sorry, um, would, uh, Valjean, or would you be like Valjean? A... There you go. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to be Valjean. I mean, I love that music. I absolutely adore it. You know. Yeah. I mean, it, it's funny you mentioned Les Mis because that's one of my favorite musicals. But I, I think I would be. I think I would want to be like Angel Rass or something like that. I think that would oh, be. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I, I, I have a bit of a lower register too, so I think it would, it would suit, it would suit my voice a little bit better. Um, you know that, that that that's neither here nor there. Um. So you 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 were coming to Canada. Um. What are you looking forward to most about about being in Canada for for the time that you're there? I mean, I'm I'm there for a very short time. I'm I think I'm there for five days in total, and most of those will be taken up by uh by by rehearsing um and then performances. I mean, it's it's a very you know it's it's, it's this is it sort of like links into to what it is being a classical musician really. Um, quite often when you you have the opportunity to go to places like this, you don't really experience it. You know, you're there for such a short amount of time that it can you know it's, it's quite depressing sometimes because all you see is the inside of a plane and inside of a hotel. Um, but I'll, I'll try and do as much exploration as I can. You know, uh, within 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 reason. Um, you know, we're we're talking. It's about... very exciting to. Uh, sorry, yeah. I, I'm I'm incredibly excited to work with the 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 conductor Alexander Weiman. I mean, he's uh, you know he's he's absolute 
genius. I mean, there aren't many people that don't know who he is, uh, as well as, uh, you know, it's lovely. I'm looking really forward to meeting Susie LeBlanc as well. You know, Susie LeBlanc, she's the artistic director of uh, Vancouver Early Music. And and uh, there's there's not, also, there's not many people who don't know she is, you know, she was at the forefront. You know, these these are two sort of pioneers at the forefront of, of early music in, in, in the world, really. Um, you know, we're talking a lot, a lot about music, and out of, I think out of all the holidays, um, Christmas and sort of this time of year is there's a lot of musical um, tradition associated with it, whether it's whether it's classical or whether it's you know carols or just kind of um, family get-togethers where you you know you'd sing and have fun. What do you think it is about this type of year that 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 brings that out? I think it's it's the you know it's 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 obviously the the, the most special day in, in 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 the calendar for a lot of people. It's a time where people return to their parents. It's the time for togetherness. Um, it's a time for you know you leading into your year, a time for a fresh start. You know you've reached the end of a year. No matter what hardness has come across, you've got this time of the year. And of course, for a lot of people, it can be a very lonely experience. But for a lot of people, it's it's very joyous and it's very and and what what do people generally do either when they've had a few too many drinks or or, or whatever they they love to sing you know they they love to sing and I think this kind of uh, you know with singing with joy coming that's that's where this sort of comes from. Um, you've you've been performing now for o- over ten years, but what? What is maybe one or two pieces that you haven't done yet that you would really, really like to get the opportunity to to explore? Um, I think I'd love to sing uh, in Don Giovanni. I'd love to sing uh, the role of Don Ottavio in Don Giovanni. Um, I'd also eventually, I mean, I'm still very young for a singer, really, um, but I think I'd love to sing um, Idomine, which is another Mozart opera as well. Um, you, you, we talked a little bit about it earlier about um, sort of the, the the troubling state of um, music education, arts education. If how what what can we do to to change that? How how do we go? How do we get um, schools and, and and governments in investing in 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 those programs again? I mean, I think I think all levels of education need need proper investment. You know, we've seen throughout the world um, countries constantly cutting back and governments constantly cutting back on all kinds of of of, of education. Um, I think arts. I mean, I will talk. I you know, I I think all arts are, are equally important. I don't just see music as 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 a necessary. Um, just just music on its own to be to be to be brought back and back into schools. I see all kinds of our, you know, way of expression. I think we find as a as a people humanity through art. You know, we see creativity through art. We see togetherness through art. We learn how to work together through art, um, through music. Um, I think they're incredibly useful um, building blocks for life on both professional level and a humanitarian level. I mean, someone, someone. I remember having an argument with someone in a pub uh, not so long ago, um, who was saying, "Oh, of course, art needs to be cut." And what did I ever learn in 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 my art classes at school? And I remember thinking, "Hang on, you, I thought he, he was trained to be an architect at the time." And I thought, you know, hang on, how, how are these beautiful buildings built if it's not done and and have it's not done through art, you know? How are these? How are these? These magnificent structures we see, these beautiful bridges, these these beautiful these beautiful things like that are created by human. How is that not art? It's striking that there there can be art in almost anything. Yeah, absolutely. How how do we you know? I I think education is one thing, but how do we go about getting kids just interested in in the arts, whether it be music or um, you know acting or dance or even visual arts yeah 
it's so hard you know I was I was having this this thought the other day and you know I don't I know it makes me sound so old and and, uh, and sort of like uh, snotty but I, I think inventions such as like TikTok I think have been completely detrimental to this side of creativity I mean creativity now on on you know apps such as TikTok seem to be just miming to stuff and, and repetitive and, and following trends I think I think there's sort of like the the reduction in 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 media like this would be completely and utterly beneficial to to children and um, being able to to create on their own, you know. Cause, uh, yeah, because it's it's I think people sort of maybe misunderstand the this is I don't like using this word because it sounds pretentious, but the 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 intellectualism that can that can come with with being an artist. No, absolutely, absolutely. I mean. I was, I had a very lucky upbringing. My mother always used to, I mean, you know, it's very funny saying this because, uh, you, you know, it, there weren't apps and, 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 and smartphones when I was, when I was younger, you know, there was a, a PC that used to take about 15 minutes for one picture to load. Um, but my mum was very, she was very proactive in, in making me read. You know, I had a lot of, a uh, lot of reading. She encouraged me to, to, to read a lot and have imagination, not just through films, but, but through, through, through my own imagination, working that, I think that's also very important, you know, in a, in a, to, to construct this kind of ideology in a child and, and young, young, young people. I mean, I, I remember during the pandemic, you know, there, there was all these talk about, um, you know, um, I forget the phrase I used, but like, you know, important jobs or, you know, they sort of careers became tiered um and artists always seem to get the 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 short end of the stick how how tough was was the pandemic um i think not only for like individual performers but just for i think art as a whole sort of culture oh it was devastating i mean you know it's it's still not reached uh, audience capacities i don't think have, have reached pre-pandemic levels i think they're, they're still quite short um it was seen as obviously a, a not a necessary um distraction i think i think a lot of governments see art as a, as a kind of distraction and i think it was seen as not not worthy of protection you know there's, there's this big misunderstanding that that artists sort of like, uh, you know, anyone can do art. You know, um, it's it's just this this thing that is there, and it's it's there when when everyone's got a bit of money to throw at it. But when they don't, it's you know, it's it's not really necessary. Um, and I think that that sort of like ideology is is sort of very, very rampant within within governments within society. Um, and I think COVID sort of accentuated that. It sort of really showed what people really thought. Of, of arts in general and performing arts in general general and it's 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 incredibly troubling to see and we you know as, as classical singers especially you know we see our art form in, in serious decline and a lot of us are wondering whether or not we'll still be working this industry in 10 years time let alone you know 20 years time um what are you hoping audiences take away um from the performance of the messiah I want them to. I want them to. To see this as. As as a cherished memory, as something that they they won't forget. You know, there are some people that see it every year, absolutely, but there will be also people in the audience that maybe have never been to a classical music performance whatsoever, and I want them to to really remember this. I want them to, to to see the beauty of this music, to to see this celebration to see this this sort of like uh, complete and utter teamwork that happens on the stage and this storytelling and I want them to to see it and I want them to remember it and I want them to talk about it you know I think that's very important you know if there's five people in there who then next year decide to come back to the Messiah and they've never been to music before but next time they bring another five or ten people you know those five people becomes ten people that ten people become twenty people and I think that's you know I think that's that's what we should hope for
Well, uh, the show is uh, Handel's Messiah, presented by Early Music Vancouver, um, with the uh, the Vancouver Chamber Choir, um, and including the Pacific Baroque Orchestra. Uh, and uh, Nicholas Scott is one of the soloists, along with Sharazade Panthaki, uh, Allison McCarty, and Jonathan Adams. And it will be uh, December 28th, sorry, December 8th um, at 7.30 at the Orpheum Theatre. Nicholas Scott, uh, thank you so much for your time this evening. No, thank you. Have a have a good one, and I uh, hope you uh, feel better uh, in, in time for your flight. Thank you very much. Yes. Thank you. Once again, that was my conversation with tenor Nicholas Scott. He will be a featured soloist um, for Handel's Messiah being put on by Early Music Vancouver and the Vancouver Chamber Choir and featuring the Pacific Baroque Orchestra. And that takes place December 8th at 7.30 at the renowned Orpheum Theatre. From Vancouver, we go to Toronto, and from classical, we go to a little more variety. And in this case, the variety is Christmas with the Clemens. And the Clemens, in this case, being Michael Pinball Clemens, the great CFL player and now general manager for the Toronto Argonauts. I'm not going to get too much into football because the interview isn't about that. Christmas with the Clemens has now, this will be now the seventh annual performance uh, in service of marginalized youth, and it is in conjunction with the Clemens Foundation. And so far in the last six years, they have uh, this event specifically has raised seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and overall, the uh, Pinball Clemens Foundation has raised more than seventeen million dollars for marginalized youth. This event uh, will feature such performers as Diane Lee Clemens, Gary Beals, Glenn Lewis, Carl Wolf. Pastor Richard Brown, Patricia Shirley, Sean Jones, Sean Jones, Simone Denny, Sonia Collymore, the St. Michael's Choir, and a very special host that Michael will tell us about during the interview. The show runs Wednesday, December the 6th at the Roy Thompson Hall in Toronto. And you can go to christmaswithclemens.ca. And remember, Clemens is spelt with a no. But enough about me. Here is the man himself to tell you all about Christmas with the Clemens and the Clemens Foundation. This is me and Michael Pinball Clemens. I have the utmost privilege to be joined by the legend himself, Michael Pinball Clemens. Hello, sir. How are we today? I'm doing awesome. How are you? Good. I'm actually in London, England at the moment. Oh, are you really? Yes, yes. I'm I'm just I'm studying over here for the next couple of months. So that, well, that's that's amazing. And how are you enjoying well, it? Good. Sorry, not London. I I flew into London, but I'm actually in in the in the northeast of London, near uh, near 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 Newcastle. So that's okay, where I'm studying. Okay. Yeah. Very yeah. 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 So well, it's, how, it's, how how are you enjoying your Newcastle? <laughs> good. Good. Yes. It's 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 a very busy city. You know, very uh -huh. um different than what some Canadians might expect. Uh, you know. Right. Right. But uh, you know, here here we are, right? <laughs> yes. 
that that's um, awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and I know, you know, we, we, you know, just like me, I'm studying, this is a, a, a new journey in life for me. And I know since you got out of football, you've been on a new journey with your, with your speaking and your charity and your foundation. Um, and one of the things that's come out is this great night that you do Christmas with the Clemens. Um, I, I hope I got the, the name of the, the event, right? Perfect. Yes, everything is perfect. And and uh, um, I am back into football now, um, the general manager of the team. Yes. And uh, so uh, so did uh, venture back in, into football, uh, but uh, uh, just really excited to join you. And uh, uh, how is school going? How are you enjoying it there? Good. It's, I've just done my first week. Um, we're just fin- so it's it's been pretty intense. It's, it's a four week intensive. Um mm-hmm. But, you know, it's uh, so, you know, learning to manage sleep and eating and, you know, all, all, all the all, all the usual work life balance stuff, you know. Um, but uh, we're, we're surviving, you know, it's, um, we're, we're 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 gelling. It's going well. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't expect anything less. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so I know your I, I know your foundation has been around since uh, I think it's uh, 2007, something like that. Um, but the, the uh, idea, the idea for, for the actual night, I think it's in its, is it in its eighth year? Um, where did, where did the idea to have this live event come from? How, how did that sort of play into what you wanted to do with, with your foundation? All right. So I, um, I, I have, my bride and I have been together for 39 years, married for 31 years. Yeah, thank you so much. And and, uh, and she grew up in a singing family. Now we were uh, um, in uh, one of the countries that we, you know, built uh, uh, classrooms in, and uh, we had just gotten there, and we had an interpreter and all of that, and and uh, um, and you know the communication was you know, a, a little bit long and awkward because you got to say it, then someone else has to say it, then they have to respond. And, and, and so, um, but then they started playing music. And when they started playing the music, like everybody was all on one accord, you know, everybody was moving and dancing and singing and doing the words. And uh, and that that really reminded her of growing up her dad traveled in a quartet. Who, um, uh, he sang in a quartet, and and she sang growing up in church, and and uh, all of that, and and uh, um, actually has a a Christmas CD out herself. And so she came up with this idea of doing a Christmas concert uh, to support the y- young people that we uh, support at, at the foundation. Mm-hmm. Uh- and you know Toronto is is a very musical city. Uh, I'm curious, you know, since making your life here and since starting this, how much has has the city responded to the event, and, and how how much has the city been able to sort of help you bring it forward? Well, the the uh, city has raised almost a million dollars. Um, uh, I I. I th- I think you know this year we will be closing in on a million dollars. I think seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars we've raised uh, for youth in community here, and uh, so it it is just uh, it's been transformative for for many young people uh, in terms of uh, the kind of um, help and feedback and and uh, opportunity that it's created and and uh, and it's continuing to grow. So hopefully we can do more and more as we go here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you have a really great lineup this year. Um, Canadian Idol fans might remember Gary Beals. I know he's on the bill. You've got uh, Juno nominee Patricia Shirley. Your wife's performing. You've got Grammy nominee Glenn Lewis. Um, how involved are you personally in selecting the the talent for the evening? All right. So um, you 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 know how you turn left. And yeah. then there's left out. <laughs> so, so when it comes to music, I'm left out. <laughs> yeah, so, so, 
So my wife is the one who really uh, works hard and and uh, um, she has a musical director uh, who does a good job, who works alongside uh, of her. And they are the ones who go out and and uh, uh, work on bringing the talent in and and uh, and really uh, help to structure the evening. So uh, so that's not me. Uh, that that was <laughs> not me. <clears throat> but uh, I, I I did. Uh, uh, I am getting on the phone though with with Tay Diggs next week because he's going to be our MC. So uh, he's going to MC the evening for us, and uh, so we, we're going to jump on with him uh, to talk a little bit about uh, the foundation and you know the feeling, uh, you know the intentions for the evening. Uh, so I, I get a chance to be in that one, but as as far as the other ones, I I, I know most of the artists. Sean Jones is I, I just love this guy because he's got so much energy. And, and uh, we have this guy, Pastor Brown, who comes to every year. He he take he brings the house down every year. He's he's a fan favorite, and and uh, so I know them, uh, but I don't get to choose them because yes. Yeah. <laughs> how, how excited are you about Tay Diggs? Was he somebody you were familiar with before you he agreed to host this? Well, you know, being being an actor of of uh, his um you know his, his abilities and and notoriety um uh he he's actually coming here to do uh uh some further charitable endeavors he's going to do uh raise some funds uh for for sick kids hospital uh so uh so that's part of the reason that he's here and uh we were able to to bridge on and and get him to come and be our MC uh for the evening as well mm -hmm. um i i i'm curious you know be, being being married to a musician and and now sort of being involved in you know or at least around music in in that sense and in doing this event how much have you learned about music and the music business and how much sort of new music have have you discovered that you made that you maybe previously didn't know about so now i i uh because i can't sing and i can't pick them doesn't mean that i don't <laughs> love music uh i i from way back yes yeah, so i'm a huge huge uh music fan and and uh and that's really one of the ways my wife and i first connected right is is that i i had this tremendous love of music i'd go and i'd pick her up and and uh we just listened to music for hours we'd ride out by the beach and cruise up and down the beach and do all of that kind of stuff and and uh, uh, so, so I am a huge, huge music fan. Uh, but again, right, uh, I'm I'm an amateur, right? Uh, I'm 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 around it, but but uh, um, I can't say that that uh, yeah, I'm, I'm any kind of musical in anything. I I, I can't hold a note in a bucket. <laughs> um, you you mentioned that you raised. Uh... Seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars, approximately, which is which is a great achievement. And I know I just wanted to make sure we get this in. So for this night, the uh, the proceeds go to support. Is it marginalized and racialized youth? Is it just in Toronto or is it nationwide? Uh, we we have coverage nationwide. Yes, we do. Um, it's really cool. I was in uh, Manitoba. Um, uh, earlier this year, and there was a lady who came up to me afterwards. I was speaking at a conference, and and she came up afterwards and said, "Oh, oh, very nice to it's so nice to meet you. Uh, your foundation helps my daughter, and you know she's going to university now. And she was so proud of her and and everything. And and uh, so so we we uh, we do work that are outside of our bounds. The greatest amount of our work does happen here in Toronto, uh, but as we grow." we're hoping that we can extend, but we are in um, Manitoba, uh, Saskatchewan, uh, uh, Alberta, and, and BC. Um, we're, we are looking to get to the East Coast uh, this year. Uh, so uh, actually, actually uh, in the coming year and, uh, and, um, and and then uh, like Quebec is so close, um, we 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 gotta go ahead and get to them as well. Uh, so so we're pretty close to to national affecting people. But again, the greatest amount is still uh, in the Toronto area. Uh, but we do have reach beyond our borders. There was a great quote that you had. I think it was from last year's event where you said, 
show me what that person has done for someone else. Therein lies true greatness. Um, and and I'm curious, what what? Um, two questions. One is, has there a person that has done that for you, or or was that person for you? And what does what does doing that for somebody else look like to you? Right. So. Um... My mom was that person for me. Uh, she was a single parent and, and you know, my dad was a school teacher. Um, and uh, so he lived about a little over an hour away, but, um, and, you know, he, he, he was a good example for, uh, for me of, of what you could do and could be. Uh, but my mom was the one who did the work, the hands-on work. And, and uh, um, they, uh, he actually paid for a course for her um uh that was an admin course and and she was the first person of color to work in an administration uh an administrative position for the city of Dunedin where the Blue Jays train and uh uh, and and so uh, she went on uh, to become the su supervisor of the, of the utility billings department, and did that for for thirty three years, I think it was. And so so she was a tremendous example uh, for me, and um, uh, and she was the one who was there um, with me and and challenging me, encouraging me, uh, doing all of those things. And uh, um, when when you you know. Um, uh, further to that sort of when I when I think of living, living is giving, right? Uh, that's why we're here, right? It, it is uh, to make life easier for each other, right? And and so consistent with that, um, I, I I don't believe that praise is something uh, uh, to be esteemed in this area. I think you, you can be grateful for praise, but that's not why we do it. Right. Um, you do it because it's the right thing to do. Uh, and what do you want people to take away from the event or or, 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 or get out of the event? Is, is there some maybe lasting message or, or impression that you that you want them to you know, st stick with? All right. Uh, great question. Uh, this, uh, I, I really love your vibe. And, uh, oh, thank you. <laughs> you yeah. For, for a young man, you got a lot of wisdom. Yeah. So, uh, you know, for, for us, it, it really is just a, a showcase of, of who we are and what we're doing. And uh, we, uh, one, you help us uh, to do our work uh, by your presence there. And, and two, um, you know, uh, you get a purview into who we are. There may be something uh, that you may be interested in doing. Uh, um, and, you know, whether that's helping us directly or you may have some you may be able to have a, a, a part of the program because we have different uh, partners who we work with you know we have yeah. a, a set of partners that we work with who do the mentoring right we have another uh, set of partners that do the career development programming and so so you may have something that that you know aligns with us so we might be able to help you know young people together right and so um uh so yeah we really we 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 it's just the night of uh education of fun uh and and uh and 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 hopefully building right um being able to build more into the lives of our young people and potentially finding people who share the same uh passion who share the same desire and there may be some way to uh partner but if not partner just encourage each other yeah hey, i think i think uh, encouraging people is the best way to do it and like you said uh, uh given is living living is given right um yes. the, yeah. so the the christmas with the clemens is wednesday december 6th um that's at roy thompson hall in toronto uh doors at six with the show begins at seven and i believe tickets are already on sale right yes they are already on sale and you can go with christmas with the clemens.com uh uh and uh go to the website and and uh uh and log on and you can get your tickets that way so and clemens is spelled c-l-e-m-o-n-s m-o-n-s yes. yes i i was i always remembered that that Michael Clemens was 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 spelt with an L, and I encourage everyone um, 
you know, to 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 buy tickets if they can or check out the foundation and let's uh, let's get closer to that to that million dollars raised, shall we? That that's awesome. That is awesome. Yes, sir. And <laughs> listen, very best in your studies, man. I thank love you. it. Progressing, growing, yes. getting better. That's awesome. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, it'll be. You know, it'll be it'll be a new chapter, but it's just a continuation. You know, every, everything's a, everything's a continuation, right? You know, so yeah, that is it. That is it. Yes. All right. Yes. Well, good, good, good. Michael, Michael Clemens, uh, thank you so much, and uh, have a blast at the at the uh, at the show this year. Thanks, Dan, the man. Appreciate it. Okay, and very All best right. to you. All right. Lots of success over there, and safe travels back. Thank you very much. Happy holidays. All right. Thank you. Happy holidays yeah. to you as Bye. well. All right, deuces. <laughs> and once again, that was my interview with CFL great, motivational speaker and philanthropist, Michael Pinball Clemens. Seventh annual Christmas with the Clemens event and variety show will take place December 6th at Roy Thompson Hall in Toronto. Go to christmaswiththeclemens.ca. That does it for me today. My thanks to Michael and my thanks to Nicholas Scott. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time. Bye for now.